Lindsay. Martha. Our guest this week is an awesome parent coach who we found actually through Instagram just yes. because her content is fire, as the kids say. <laughs> fire. No, it's really good. Uh, yeah, she's just very, she has great tips. And she just is like, she gets very real about parenting and just like children and emotions. Yeah. And just has like great ways to like handle it and kind of reflect, I would say, on your own like triggers. Yes. On parenting strategies. She's very like look within yourself to be able to manage what's going on with your right. child and help your guide your child through it. And that's a lot of what we talked about in today's episode. So I think yeah. this episode is an amazing episode for teachers, but also for parents exactly. for sure and yeah like if you aren't looking for parent a parent coach at this point I mean I would just definitely recommend following and keeping up with whatever Alana is doing on Instagram because she gives so many useful tips and like she puts out she'll like excuse me she'll like talk through just some like common um, things that parents and children mm -hmm. children even teachers run into yeah and how to kind of troubleshoot and, and yeah. what to do. It gives new perspective. So parents, it's great for, and then also teachers, I would say, just for management. Yeah. Children and emotions. Yeah. So um, we will definitely be giving all of her information in, on the blog and yeah. at the end of the show um, as well. Um, but she um, is on Instagram as Dr. 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 Alana Lopez. Um, yeah. And so without any further ado, here is our interview with Dr. Alana Lopez. We'll just get started with your background, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I was always like a curious kid, questioning things, asking why, wondering why people did what they did. And I was also so influenced by my parents. You know, my mom was a lifelong educator and my dad, he was a counselor and involved in nonprofit, and, you know, I saw their passion for helping others, and plus my curiosity, all of that led me to psychology, and I was in school for, for quite a bit, and worked in lots of different settings with parents and children, and um, through this journey, it ultimately led me to parent coaching, and when I was working in all these different places, two things became so clear to me. And these two things lit that fire within me that just honestly never goes out and it just drives my parent coaching work. And those two things are first and foremost that every child has a voice and a message that deserves to be heard, period. For us adults really to talk less and us to listen <laughs> more. And I know on my Instagram page, like I'm, you probably can feel that <laughs> through my page. like. Let's listen to children. Let's hear what they have to say. Let's be there when they have big emotions and let's help them work through them. Totally. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, so that, that through my work up to now, like just that's one of my big, big take homes that drives everything is just every child has a voice. And the other thing working with parents over the years was, you know, parents and even influential people like teachers. You know, we have an opportunity of a lifetime to just show up for our kids, be present, be responsive, provide them with a safe space to explore so they can become truly who they want to be. And it's such a gift that I believe we've all been given. And the idea that we as adults can literally 
change the world and shape generations just through the relationships that we choose to have and cultivate with children is so powerful. And if we model those healthy relationships, we can pass it on to our kids. And this just, it blows my mind every day that we have this opportunity and it so inspires me to post the content I do on Instagram and to work with parents and do parent coaching. And that's, I'm so grateful. That's in my journey. I'm grateful for coming to those two huge, just ahas that light that fire and (laughs) just give me the passion to do what I do. So well, that's that's awesome. how I got here. <laughs> that's awesome. We love ahas. Yeah, and um, takeaways. You've already like killed it for that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're good. No, <laughs> because um, I think that you know it's what you're saying is so true about just how what we do is so influential um, as adults modeling to children, and mm-hmm. it's so. I mean, I think we're all in the this space, so it's like second nature to understand that but I think what you're doing is a huge service because I think a lot of parents get to be parents and they say what am I doing yeah you know they don't have that experience with children they don't know how to speak to children or the language to use or so it's so many things that go into being that kind of conscious like really present parent no I couldn't agree with you more in terms of just putting the child at the center and just their well-being and their health and how can we how can we cultivate through that through how we show up I know I talk a lot about how we show up and that is so important how we show up in these relationships with our children or as teachers how do teachers show up day in and day out and build and shape that relationship that's the foundation it, it really it, it truly is I mean mm-hmm. science and research will tell you relationships and feeling safe and secure in relationships relationships is the foundation if we don't have that and we don't know how to build that and shape that kids can't really learn they can't focus they they can't do the all those other academic things that you know of course that we would we would love them to do so that's why I spend so much time on child first and relationship first creating mm-hmm. safety all of that let's talk about showing up just because it is one of the concepts um from your page that we kind of highlighted. Um, can you just talk about what you mean by showing up? Mm-hmm. So showing up, it's a little deceiving because I think when we think of showing up, we think of, okay, you're entering the moment, which is very important. But showing up is even a step. There's a step before that. And the step before that, which is really what conscious parenting is, is you, we have to explore ourselves first as adults. We have to ask ourselves the critical questions and do our inner work. Questions like, what's my relationship with my own emotions? You know, when when a, emotion comes up within a child, what does that trigger within me? You know, do I have any past experiences that, you know, pop up for me that make it hard to interact with a child? Or do I have certain biases? I mean, I, I know since my mom was an educator, like one of the things I always remember growing up hearing was like, you know, when you when you have a student that had a, a certain name and you had a certain experience with that student, and then you have another student with that name, like that, those, those things influence how we show up to moments, Absolutely. you know, right? And so to really ask ourselves some of those questions before we even f- physically enter like a given situation 
And that's what conscious parenting work is, is all about, is digging a little deeper, going beyond the surface. How was I parented? You know, mm-hmm. what were my past teachers like? Um, what were those relationships like? And how does that sit with me now as an adult? Because we all get triggered. It's human right. nature, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's human nature. Totally. And so to, to sit down and almost say, what are my triggers? Um, where are those coming from? Get curious and to acknowledge them. And then you pivot after that. You know, if you can acknowledge and, and get to know yourself a little bit better, then you can help enter the situation with kids much much more steady, much more calm because you know what's going on within you. And so that's really step one of showing up is doing the work beforehand so that you're more prepared when the actual time comes when a child is having a big emotion Mm -hmm. or big emotions. And to show up in those actual moments, not with with your own agenda, but for them. And to be conscious and aware of, you know, how you're entering, what's your energy, what safety signals you're giving, all of that good stuff is part of showing up. I love it. Yeah, I I think um, it sounds like very much about using um, intentionality, mindfulness, and then like noticing when you are triggered, um, just to try and examine a little bit more when you're activated, kind of Mm -hmm. saying like, hmm, what's this about? (laughs) Um, Yeah. and you mentioned conscious parenting, which you talk a lot about. Can you um, get a little bit more into that? There's a statistic out there that is very interesting and always blows my mind. And that's, you know, 90% of what's going on is, is unconscious. We operate unconsciously 90% of the time, basically. And so the other 10% of the time we're walking around like aware and conscious and looking around and kind of <laughs> soaking it all in, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And so it's really growing that 10%. It's yeah. it, what am I doing in this moment? Let me be aware of my own behavior and actions. And I, I'm triggered. I mean, just, I don't know about you, but when I get triggered, like my body gets hot, I heat up. And so it's like, oh, just being aware of what my body sensations are <laughs> doing and what that's signaling to me. Just that awareness is, is growing your consciousness. And so it's growing that inner awareness and then taking that inner awareness and being able to, you know, monitor it and contain it for yourself so that you can literally show up to your child in a regulated state. Totally. <laughs> and that you really apply, you know, you use your inner work to truly just show up as a, is the best parent you can be. Just it's a lifelong work. It <laughs> That's reminds, for sure. It reminds me of something I watched of yours a little bit ago about um, helping your child learn about waiting and wait time mm-hmm. and how so easily I can be on the computer and I'm doing work or something and, and a student comes up to me and is asking for something. And now if I'm not consciously like attuned to like my surroundings yeah. and and them and my actual job you know if I'm really stressed out if I just got like a parent email I yeah. might say like just hold on or something yeah. like that and rushed and not like looking a, at them and, exactly yeah. whereas you kind of talked about how right at, if you just take a second to think about it um uh I can say okay I'm going to finish writing this email and then when I'm done, I'm going to come to you and we're going to do X. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think that's awesome. It's just a very subtle shift. Yeah, it's 
it's truly going from reactive to responsive. Right. Totally. It, it really is. Like in that moment, you could, you know, you could respond to the student in a rushed way, say, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I, I, I understand you need something, but I, you know, I'm doing something right now and I'll be right with you. And, you know, you can even have that tone of voice, even just hearing it, it's like, yeah, whoa, like okay. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like and you can even say, <laughs> yeah, you can even say the right words. Like, I'll be with you. I'm here to help. But if the tone and, you know, how your body is moving, if that stuff is not matching and giving those safety cues, um, you know, it's just a reactive response. Whereas you can hear the request. You can notice what you're doing. You understand you're busy in that moment. But then you can pivot. Then you can then you can shift to, okay, they need a concrete start and beginning here so they know what to expect totally yeah that's a great example how can you grow that muscle of of growing the 10 percent of the time (laughs) that you're conscious yeah that's a great great question you know there's lots of ways you could do it i think everyone's unique everybody finds calm and and solace and comfort in different things. Mm -hmm. You know, I've worked with parents who, who are into breath work, right? They're into Mm -hmm. breathing. I have some parents who literally say, I just look outside at nature for a minute, a minute and a half. And I'm able to just quietly just sit and, and I am able to regroup or I get some like, aha during that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's kind of finding the small thing that will help you slow your life down. Mm-hmm. It's really, I think the really the key step is to slow it down. And mm-hmm. you can do that in a way that, that feels right to you and makes sense to you. But if you're never slowing down, you will never have a chance to grow your consciousness. So I would say being intentional about pausing mm-hmm could be once a day, could be a couple times a week and finding whatever that thing is that makes you feel safe and brings you some calm. It's different for all of us. It's never a one size fits yeah. all. But that during those moments is when your your awareness starts to grow and you do get a little bit more of those ahas and you can think a little bit more clearly and then you'll have more resources to respond more clearly, more regulated when a child comes to you with something. I don't know. I'm just trying to like reflect on like my triggering. Like I definitely don't think I get hot or anything, Mm -hmm. but now I'm like, what do I do when I'm triggered? Like it's hard for me in the moment right now to think of it. Mm -hmm. I'm like looking at Martha, like, can you tell me? I'm trying to think of (laughs) how do I, can you tell when I'm triggered? (laughs) (laughs) That's actually Uh, a really good point. Sometimes it starts with asking somebody else. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. And I can't think of it. I feel like you start, you, you start talking really fast. I think when you're I'm a fast talker. Yeah. But like ultra fast when you're triggered. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe it's fast talking and like, I know I definitely say I can't handle to my husband a lot. (laughs) She has catchphrases. But yeah, so it's just like maybe being conscious of that first and then slowing down when you are noticing that you're triggered. Cause I don't know if I really think about my triggers that often. I think I need to start there. (laughs) And honestly, it, it takes practice to grow that awareness and, you know, to just sit with yourself, you know, if you feel any change within your body or you, you notice it doesn't even have to be your body necessarily. It could be your thinking, like your thoughts can go wild that you can have racing thoughts 
And so you can have racing thoughts, you can have body sensations. Yeah. It could be a combination, but really getting to know yourself and what your brain and body does when you're triggered, get information from other people. And I think to give ourselves some slack and to say, I'm a human, I'm going to get triggered as a teacher, as a parent, like it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and when we get triggered, it's, it's usually things that, you know, from our past that are popping up and, and things that, you know, need our attention and need us to get a little bit more curious about. So it's always a good thing. I always say it's a great thing when you get triggered. It doesn't feel like a great thing, <laughs> but it is a great thing because it's, it's time to work on something that needs to be worked on. And I think in the moment, this is so simple. Like the simplest things are the things that work the best, I swear. <laughs> but, you know, in the in the actual moment, something as simple as saying, I'm triggered. Like, uh-oh, here it is. Like mm-hmm. just to Name bring, that. just to shift your attention to what is actually happening and just to label it. Because when we label it, our, it helps calm our brain. If yes. you wouldn't mind telling us like your parenting story or something like that, and then we could kind of go through and and see like how a teacher might use that story to help them yeah um I can I will absolutely share and I was also thinking what might be helpful is to share kind of even my experience as a parent um ending the school year and going back yeah Um, I love it yeah you know so (laughs) you kind of want to go to the beginning a little bit you know I studied for a long time in school (laughs) like my 20s was basically school 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 and it was wonderful I learned a ton amazing opportunities forever grateful however (laughs) along the way I was just so focused on achieving and doing and to-do lists and task oriented wow I yeah along the way (laughs) I remember at the end of all of my schooling I'm like oh my gosh like I have lost touch with myself like oh my goodness like when's the last time I've done a check within myself Mm -hmm. you know to see how I was doing to check in with my emotions you know I it almost felt to me like I was on this high-speed train (laughs) and I never bothered to get off once in a while to check in with how I was doing or like to get off and go to a restaurant and have like a cup of coffee or something (laughs) wow you know and I just was like whoa I was on this go 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 mode and I lost touch and I realized this after school, but it didn't hit me until I got pregnant with my son and it just changed everything. You know, I don't know if it was all those feel good chemicals like the oxytocin <laughs> and stuff that were happening that just kind of expanded my awareness and thinking, but I just remember Claire's day one day saying, I have got to get reconnected so I can authentically connect with my son. Wow. If I if I wasn't tuned into my inner world, he, he, how would he ever be? Yeah, you know. And yeah. I don't. I remember I thinking to myself, I don't want him to be f- afraid to go inward, to feel, to express, so he can know his feelings were were okay and healthy. And that revelation, I was just like, wow, I've got some work to do. And so I really began the real inner work and I discovered conscious parenting along the way. I knew about it, you know, in practice, but it's different. It's different when it's your life. It's different yeah. when you have a child. Totally. Like <laughs> right? putting it into practice is like reading about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and right. And I really delved deeper into that conscious parenting work. And I gotta say, when my son showed up in the world, the motivation obviously became like a thousand times stronger. Right. He's my he is my greatest teacher, hands down. 
Yeah. Nobody can convince me otherwise. And so really doing the deep work for myself in terms of conscious parenting and being more aware of myself and my own triggers and my past and how I was parented, all that good stuff, that just, that was the big, we're speaking of ahas, that was just like, wow. And so for ever since then, I was like, oh, this is my commitment to my son, to myself, to other people who are willing and open to share that commitment with me, Mm -hmm. you know, so that that's kind of part of the journey and so like for example if someone were to share all of that with you you probably could like learn a lot about them right right yeah (laughs) um and you know if you want to fast forward to this the covid yeah and this time you know as a parent um i really i have to say that my son had some amazing teachers this year and I had a really strong relationship and connection with them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we had like the end of the year conferences, obviously through zoom. And when we're on the conference call, I just got teary eyed and Mm -hmm. I was just like, Oh my gosh, the school year has ended. It is ending. This is final. Like we didn't get to have the closure and I feel sad about this. And, because I'm continually doing the inner work, I was able to to feel all that and not run away from it. And I actually was able to express it to his teachers and say, I'm really bummed. Like, I'm going to miss you guys. Aww. And so, um, you know, and I even thought to myself things like, well, what is it going to be like when my son walks into his school and he's not going to go to the classroom that he thinks he's going to go to, that he was used mm-hmm. to going to. And so all of those things came up and you know, I think it's sharing, being having the opportunity to have that conference and share how I was feeling and the questions I had was so helpful for me. And I really felt heard. And that's a great example of them listening to my story and what it was yeah. like for me for COVID. And yeah. I'm forever grateful to them for that opportunity because it, mm-hmm. it really wasn't even a conference. It and they, they picked up on that and they knew yeah. what was more important was to help <laughs> process all of what has been happening, Yeah, you know, and the fears for next year, which I think a lot of us as parents have. Yeah. I think that yeah. you make a really good point. Like we have to really be intentional next year with what we're letting, like how much we're talking to parents or how, how much we're letting them share because they probably will want to talk more and share more because we haven't seen them for so long and it's such a different end for their children and for them. I know I say this over and over again, but it truly is about the relationships yeah. and feeling safe so and secure much. within the relationships, creating that safety yeah. and the, the opportunity to share and the space to share. Yeah. That goes so far. Um, speaking so of far. safety, can you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit more about like the safety signals that you um, use a lot that may be helpful for us in the classroom? Yeah, absolutely. So children basically, you know, they have like these built-in metal detectors and they're always unconsciously scanning for what's happening inside their own bodies and outside Mm -hmm. in the environment. And they're asking themselves, they don't know it, but they're asking themselves, Hey, is this safe, dangerous, or life-threatening? Like, so they're always scanning, right? Like a little beep, 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 beep metal Mm -hmm. detector. (laughs) And they pick up on cues of safety and danger in in their environment. And so one of the things that's important is that we are helping their brains and bodies, the nervous systems, you know, feel safe and feel secure. You know, kids can be in the zone of, you know, feeling safe and at ease and being able to, you know, 
solve problems, things like that. And sometimes our nervous systems can drop down into that fight or flight zone. And then sometimes if we feel really threatened, then we go into the shutdown mode. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's our duty as parents and teachers to, you know, if a child's in fight or flight or if they're kind of in the shutdown, to really like help them lift them back up to that safe and secure zone. And safety signals is one way to do that. And there's a couple key, you know, pieces of this that I think are really powerful for kids. Mm-hmm. And the face, how you use our, your face, how your your eyes, like all of your facial expressions, what you're conveying through your face is really a powerful way to send a signal of safety. I mean, we all know like how different faces feel, right? Yeah. Like we just know it. We can just mm-hmm. feel it. So the facial expression is huge. The tone of voice is huge. So not having a too low of a voice, not too high of a voice, not too like of a monotone flat voice, trying to have like more even kind of singy songy type of voice. So tone of voice is huge. And just by the tone of your voice, you can help bring a child back to that safety zone, so to speak. Um, you know, those are just two concrete examples of, of our things to just kind of keep in mind another good one is like movement Mm. um how fast or slow we move Mm -hmm. towards a child is huge Mm. um you know for example if a child is kind of in more of a shutdown mode you know we're not you know if you approach them and you're just like kind of getting up quickly and you're huffing and puffing and you're moving quickly (laughs) that's gonna that's gonna keep them in that stress response right um versus you approach them slowly intentionally you, you kind of sit with them, you mirror their body language, mm. you maybe offer, like, hey, I'm here, you know, you offer one or two words, you don't overwhelm them with too many statements. So that's, there's lots of different ways that we can bring children out of shutdown or out of fight or flight back to that safe and secure mm-hmm. zone um, in their, you know, of their nervous system. I yeah. always think about, like, say the fire alarm goes off, and mm-hmm. my reaction can be, like oh okay it's time to we've practiced this it's time to get up it's time to line up we're not going to bring any of our stuff we're just going to walk you know down the hall and out the door and just try and keep my voice even and my movements not too sharp or not too fast but then there's also you know the opposite is that like oh my god and like (laughs) you know and then how are the children going to react to that right exactly (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, and the fact that you're just aware of all of that is amazing. Yeah. I mean, well, just to, again, if this is part of being a conscious parent is to ask ourselves, how am I conveying safety? How am I being a safe presence? Mm-hmm. You know, what's my face looking like right now? What's my tone of voice sounding like? How am I moving? What's my energy like? Mm-hmm. Um, all of that. Like, how my en- kids pick up on our energy. You guys know this. Like, yeah. in a hot second, we yeah. just, they. it's that whole idea of that metal detector. It's they, their body, their brain and body just picks up on all these cues, you know? Mm-hmm. We really don't even have to say much. <laughs> yeah. So true. It's probably better mm-hmm. not to say much in that in that time, too, right? Like yes, said, for like, sure. Simple. Especially in fight or flight or that shutdown yeah. mode. Yeah, for sure. they're not the, taking in the system, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, the system can be overloaded. Um, and that's yeah. why when, we're, when we talk to kids too much, when they're not ready, they will we might see more challenging behaviors because they're yeah. telling us I'm not ready. This is too much for my system right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like a lot going along with creating those like 
Well, let's just get into like creating a safe space for a children's like emotions, a the big emotions. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? So I have a child, let's say I have a child who like consistently is reacting to things in a way that is like feels disproportionate to the way the rest of the class would react or something like that. How would, what are your tips in that situation? Mm-hmm. I'm a real big believer that your trigger is your trigger and it's not I think when we start comparing like oh that seems like compared to everybody else that seems a little bit too much I think that our bodies respond just based on our past experiences I think you know we get triggered by different things we feel you know different levels of emotion and I always tell parents like what might not seem like a big deal to somebody is actually a big deal to somebody else's system. (laughs) And so I think when a child is having a response or is triggered, my first thought is, okay, they're triggered. They need my help. I try to keep the judgment of like, that's out of proportion or that's too big Mm -hmm. because that automatically puts me in a judgy reactive zone yeah. And so I, I'm always just kind of honoring the trigger. I'm honoring, you know, their brain and body is just being activated, period, for whatever reason. And usually it's based on, like I said, past experiences. I often find working with parents and even with myself, you know, I catch mm-hmm. myself saying, what's the big deal? You know, right. having having those thoughts like, what's the big deal? This is not that big of a deal. Nobody else is reacting. Why are you? Again, it's very judgmental, mm-hmm. reactive, and it takes us out of our conscious parenting mode yeah. for sure. So, you know, languaging is, you know, I'm here to help. I see he or she is triggered. I'm here to help um, is usually opens us up to be able to help a lot better. And yeah. so, you know, and I think some other great questions to follow that um, are you know, where's my brain and body at as an adult? You know, where am I? Am I in like the, the cool, calm, collect zone? Am I, am I in fight or flight as an adult? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. where am I at? And then looking at the child and saying, where, where are they at? Where's their brain and body at right now? And Mm -hmm. what's the safest and most supportive way to help based on all this information. Again, the goal is to kind of lift them back up as best we can by giving them those safety signals. I just want to say like, so this brings to mind for me, just like, okay, I feel like um, a lot of times teachers, we start out with this mindset, you know, with you bring it, you're calm, yeah. you are the safe space, you're helping your the child um, make sense of the way they're feeling and you're really giving it the time that it needs. Mm-hmm. Then what happens, I don't know, Lindsay, if you feel like this or if other teachers feel like this, but what I feel happens is other people that have that are stakeholders in either the classroom like other parents or administrators or even like other teachers see the behavior and they're like well this has been happening for so long how can we give realistic expectations to people about how a child learns to regulate their emotions you know Mm -hmm. because clearly it doesn't even happen necessarily in the scope of a year um we're not helping them if we just keep going at it and getting more and more and more frustrated each time and letting external factors kind of dictate the way we do it more and more. Yeah, that's a great question. What I hear you saying is like, where should the focus be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because if you're just, um, you know, managing emotions all the time, right? Like I, 
it's understandable why that would get, you know, tiring for everybody, including the child. Right. And so. I, I, it's a really big question you're asking. And I think, um, it's really about getting at the root causes of yeah. why, why the behavior is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is really the crux of it. And because all behavior is a form of communication, totally. it, you know, it, whether it, it could be, they're typically unmet needs or difficulties, you know, uh, it could be a variety of things. So, you know, for example, it could be, you know, sensory types of overload, sensory types of issues going on. Um, there could be, you know, some emotional things going on that Mm -hmm. a child cannot articulate, you know, they might be having these thoughts and emotions and ideas within them. And the only way they know how to express is by having these big emotions. Um, you know, kids are overloaded sensory wise and maybe the only way they can do that is to, you know, show their behavior. Some kids are actually in physical pain and we don't know it. And Mm -hmm. they express that through these behaviors and these big emotions. And so, you know, I agree with you. That's when, um, you know, working in schools was so wonderful when I was able to do that for a little bit. And, you know, that's when the team comes in. You know what I mean? That's when you get the team together and say, we have to look at the root cause here. We have to figure out what is behind this behavior because what we see is the big feelings and what we see is the behavior. And when we only focus on managing those things, you're right. You don't see results until you understand what's behind that. And in my experience working in schools, a team approach has always been helpful. You know, even in my practice here, like I will collaborate with occupational therapists and things like that because, Mm -hmm. you know, there, there can be a lot of, a lot of different, um, reasons behind it there's actually a really great book Mm -hmm. and I think it's like super practical even for like schools um and it's by uh Mona Delahook and it's like social and emotional development I believe it's called Mm -hmm. and it breaks down kind of looking at root causes and it could be a super helpful resource for teams and she actually she's a psychologist she's fabulous and she has a lot of um experience working with schools and she even gives like case examples in there and to really help people work through, you know, mindset, first of all, and like, how do we look at maybe what's underlying the big emotions and the behaviors that follow? Yeah. And I still like your, your point to, you know, you are the space, like you're the safe space. That's still so important. But then if it's happening continually, then maybe, yeah, bring that team in and then think about like, what is the root of this? You know, why why is this continually happening? And I think it's really important to just, to like you're saying, focus on the root. Because I guess what I was trying to get at is when a team, sometimes when a team gets involved, that's when I feel we like start to see, if we start to see like people getting frustrated, why isn't this working? Because they lose sight of the root cause and they only start seeing, they only are seeing behavior, behavior, behavior. And then there's like almost a pressure um, for the classroom teacher to do things the way that, you know, do things in a way that it seems almost punitive for the behavior. And when it, that's really, it's not, that's completely avoiding solving the original problem or the root cause. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And yes, I've worked with teachers who have felt lost. They felt like they, you know, oh, I'm supposed to do this, but it's not working. But what else do I yeah. do? And they, you feel lost. And, you know, yeah. it's, I, I absolutely um, 
hear what you're saying and I've I've talked with teachers about those those exact issues right um, and it's yeah because there's still something underlying that that we're not as a team you know maybe quite understanding or mm-hmm. helping the child to to understand or interpret but absolutely and I agree like I think yes you know you want to have that team and identify root causes but it's also like in the moment, you know, I talk a lot about like in the moment on mm-hmm. Instagram and that's, you're right. I agree. It's very important too on how you show up in those moments, but I think you need both. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could just kind of got to stick your ground and like really <laughs> remember like you got to get to, you got to show up and then you got to also try and work on the yeah. underlying. And I sometimes feel like it will be like trial and error trying to get to that root and seeing what works and what, what strategies. So totally. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, anyway, (laughs) thank you so much for being um, a guest on the show. Um, Like we said, like we just saw you and like (laughs) the way that you speak and the way that you put out the videos, it's just so accessible too because we're all about not – having to like go dive into a book for all the information, especially for (laughs) teachers, because it's so important to keep learning and growing. And it's not necessarily the easiest thing to like pick up the newest, latest, greatest book for every person. So that's why we made this podcast. That's why we love what you do, because it's so digestible. Yeah. Um, They're they're tips. We love the takeaways and the tips and the aha moments. Yes. (laughs) And you have a lot of those, so... We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys, like, being on Instagram and checking out my account and yeah. tuning in. And, oh, um, yeah. And hopefully. I mean, so much appreciated. And mm. I so enjoyed talking with you guys. Yeah, it's, I could, you. I could. It's just so refreshing to have these types of I conversations. Know. And just talk so out refreshing. loud about helping kids and helping ourselves help kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <that's so> great. <laughs> And it's, I mean, so many things, like, come back just to that reflective piece and, like, the asking oh questions. So it's, it's always <laughs> lovely. You know, we always circle back to that. But it's great because it's always good to – there's more to think about, you know. There's I more know, questions to ask and more uh, yep. knowledge to be had. So You got it. I know. It's always the – it's 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 never the quick fixes. It's yeah. always the work. It's always doing the work, you know. It is. As much as we love to have quick fixes left and right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. It just doesn't work that way. So I, I that's I get that. So thank you so so much yeah, for the opportunity. I, I so appreciate yeah. it. You guys have a good day. Thanks so much. Thanks, Alana. Alana. Take care. Bye. 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 So that's our show. If you want to learn more about Dr. Alana Lopez or any of the topics that we covered in today's episode, you can head over to her website, which is www.alanalopezphd.com. You can also follow her on Instagram, like we mentioned, at Dr. Alana Lopez, and that's Dr. just the abbreviated DR. Um, You can also head over to our blog for show notes and resources that Alana mentioned at www.thereflectiveteacherpodcast.com. Also, please make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Reflective Teacher Podcast. Thanks for listening.